KFI AM640 more stimulating talk. Why can't I not say that word today? The Gary and Shannon Show, Brian Suits filling in. We do have a, a lottery winner bank robber update with Alex Stone. But first, a Miami Bridge update. Alex Stone from ABC News joins us. And I guess there's a press conference coming up, but uh, about an hour ago, Alex Stone uh, joins us. We saw uh, that this pedestrian bridge collapse resulted in, in quote, several dead Close quote. So what, what is the latest? Yeah, you know, the mayor right now, Brian, is saying that it's confirmed that one person is dead. Uh, others have been taken to the hospital, but they think that there are more bodies in the cars underneath that concrete. And uh, that's what firefighters have been uh, trying to get into is those cars. You know, it looks like an earthquake scene, like what we would see in Southern California of crawling into every little hole that they can find uh, to get to the vehicles that are underneath to try to, to see if they can find any victims who might be uh, able to survive underneath all that concrete. But right now it's confirmed one uh, who has been killed, the others who have been injured. They think about eight cars or eight vehicles underneath the, the collapsed bridge, but they, they do fear the number is actually going to go higher. Uh, it is a $14.2 million bridge funded by the U.S. Department of Transportation, and it was literally, I mean, just put up uh, a few days ago. Yeah, uh, on Saturday, last weekend, 950 tons, uh, 174 feet long, and they, it was touted as a, a safe way of putting it in, that they used what they call accelerated bridge construction. They installed it in a couple of hours last weekend. That they What they did is they built it, took some time to, to build it along the side of the road. Then they brought in cranes and hoisted it as one big piece uh, up onto to concrete columns that they had built then laid it down on those columns and then put it down and thought they had it secured in place. Now, if that played a role in, in what happened, they don't know. The NTSB is going to investigate. They're in charge of bridge collapses. That, uh, that they are, They're heading to the scene right now. Maybe it was something else, but that's uh, something they're definitely going to look at is how quickly they put this thing in. Uh, and producer Nick found a story from just a few days ago, I guess right before it was, it was put up on Saturday, uh, the headline is, Instant Bridge aims to make a dangerous crossing safer for thousands of students, close quote, from the Miami Herald. I, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not filled with confidence in something called an instant bridge. No, and they, you know, they had talked about how quickly they were able to put it up. Now, luckily, the, the bridge wasn't supposed to be fully completed until January of 2019, so it wasn't fully operational yet, but, uh, the, the, the victims were underneath. But what they were trying to do was the, the students who live in Sweetwater across the, the highway, the, the roadway, about six lane roadway, uh, and then every day they would have to cross, and they would be darting in and out of traffic. They'd be waiting at, at uh, crosswalks that this was supposed to be the way for them to do a, a flyover, essentially, and just walk across from Sweetwater over to the university and not have to deal with traffic. But we see that, uh, that, that maybe that installation method may have been too quick. Uh, all right. Well, transitioning to something a little more local for all the Santa Clarita Valley residents and listeners or anyone who's listening to the news a couple of years ago. Do you remember the PT Cruiser Bandit, sometimes called the Seasoned Bandit because he had gray white hair? He turns out to be James Allen Hayes, a 55 year old lottery winner from 1998. He had 19 million, a 19 million dollar jackpot in 1998. So I, there's no hope for any of us. Is no, there? 19 million bucks. He ended up having to give uh, most of it to his ex-wife. Now, this goes back to 98. He was working in Ventura. He was a security guard supervisor on a uh, graveyard shift. January of 98, he won the Super Lotto jackpot, uh, 19 million bucks, a 1 in 18 million chance. 
But then uh, his ex-wife got uh, half the money. He ended up with $6 million bucks in a lump sum. Then he had a $1,000 a week heroin habit. And now look, a few minutes ago, uh, James Hayes, he, uh, he pleaded guilty in uh, downtown L.A., four counts of bank robbery. This was a guy who would roll up in his PT cruiser, rob banks in uh, Valencia, in Stevenson Ranch, in Newhall, in Pacific Palisades, in Santa Barbara County, around Santa Barbara County. He was finally caught. Now he, uh, he's looking at potentially 80 years in prison. He had uh, $19 million, lost all of it, started uh, robbing banks, now heading to prison. You know, as I do the math here, um, a thousand, what is it, thousand a week heroin habit, that's 4,000 yep. a month, that's 48,000 a year, um, six million lump sum, that would fund 125 months or, or 10, 10 years and half a month of, uh, of SCAG. Yeah, you know, take out taxes from the $6 million and uh, and then other living expenses, you know, telling what he was doing as he was hanging out uh, in Southern California after winning the money, but... He uh, he had a lot of expenses. So he actually did pretty well. Up the nose or in the arm to, to heroin. He went past 10 years. I, I project that that would be at that at that rate, of, at that burn rate for a lottery win, he would have been out of money within a decade. He went past a decade. He would, didn't resort to bank robbery yeah. <laughs> a couple of years ago. He's been connected to 10 of the, the bank robberies, uh, and really most of them up in, in the northern part of the county. But for so long, the FBI, the L.A. Sheriff's Department, everybody was looking for this guy. The FBI was the one who called him the seasoned bandit. Others called him the PT Cruiser bandit. And he was this uh, elusive bank robber. But nobody thought that it was going to turn out to be a, a super lotto jackpot winner. Yeah, because I'm I'm theorizing here somewhere between multi-million lottery winner and bank robber aren't there some other stops like like um, a restaurateur or so. failed bartender so. uh, sure you know uh, own a couple of homes uh, make some money on on real estate but no he uh, he decided uh, walking into that bank uh, pushing over a note saying he had a gun and that he was going to shoot them if they didn't give him the money that that was the way to go it's it's believed he got away with about $40,000 which compared to 19 mil nothing for uh, for everything he's going through yeah but heroin's way cheaper yeah, that's in, in all fairness so he faces up to 20 years behind bars <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking federal bars, so this is yeah, not no stable. eighty years. Yeah, he's looking at eighty. Uh, sentencing set for June seventh now. Yeah, because this is this is actual prison in Lompoc, not these uh, California ones where there's a rotating door. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is the real deal. This is a federal case. This is going to be federal prison. And uh, look, he's fifty five years old, eighty years behind bars. I would say that's pretty much a life sentence. <clears throat> and to add insult to injury, this would be a phenomenal. 12-part Netflix cable series, but he can't profit off his crime. No, uh, they are taking his uh, PT Cruiser. He had to forfeit that. You know, nobody wants to forfeit their uh, light-colored Chrysler PT Cruiser. Uh, He's got to give that up. He's got to uh, pay anything he's got left, and and then he'll be heading to prison. Well, as he walks into Lompoc on the bus, they need to play this. (laughs) So there you go. That's at sadtrombone.com. Uh, all right, Alex Stone, thanks for joining us. You got it. Thanks, Brian. Thank you very much. And we uh, are standing by for a press conference from Miami about the collapsed prison. Uh, we will uh, take that uh, when that occurs. But, hey, everybody, you want to listen for a chance to win 1000 bucks? Oh, it's backwards. I can't read it backwards. I'm not French. 
Yeah, uh, your chance to win a thousand dollars is coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six four zero smile. Keep listening. Back in just a second, a little bit more about the uh, the the lottery winner, bank robber dude, and then a press conference out of Miami. Uh, that are more coming up. It is the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in. KFI AM six forty. Foolin. It's a super segment. <laughs> oh, I, I got you going. Sorry, it's. <laughs> That's, actually, you didn't. You didn't earn that. Um, yes, yeah, so going back to that story. Listen to this. This is um, this is awkwardly worded. Now, in light of what just happened in Miami a, a couple hours ago, from the Miami Herald dot com uh, quote: "Instant bridge, not quite, but in a single morning, Florida International University dropped a new elevated pedestrian span into place mm. over the. How do you say this? Tamiami. Tamiami. Tamiami Trail." To provide students a safe route over the perilous roadway for the first time. Once it's finished in early 2019, the new pedestrian bridge will link FIU's Modesto Marique campus. That's what I'm going for. Directly to the small suburban city of Sweetwater, where the university estimates 4,000 of its students live. So let's say it's 8 a.m. There could have been a couple hundred students on that walkway uh, because this replaces a uh, dangerous sidewalk. I mean, a dangerous crosswalk. Well, the bridge wasn't expected to open until next year. And the reason why, even though they installed the last part of the bridge on Saturday, is because there was still a lot of construction slated to go on in the area. There's apartment buildings that are going to go up, a couple uh, residential businesses as well. Um, so they may have finished the bridge, uh, but there was still a lot of construction that was going to go on. So they expected a lot of pedestrians to be walking in the area. That's why the bridge was built in the first place. And this stretch of southwest 8th street which is where the bridge was located it's about a half mile away from the turnpike which is a huge interchange a huge freeway in miami um it's very populated because it's near the university so there was still traffic flowing and they're still trying to figure out like why the bridge collapsed but i just saw a report that said witnesses witnesses saw uh, about four people standing on the bridge right before it collapsed oh before because here's mm-hmm. the deal they pre-made the actual span so the right. actual span 174 feet was precast and assembled and they did this to minimize you know the impact of motorists so they pre-made the span and then rolled it into place and then fixed it to the two uh, the two ends the two uh, uh, staircases mm-hmm. um and I'm not a structural engineer, but it looks to me like the thing dropped simultaneously or one side, then the other, and it, and it came down and collapsed. Uh, but it was 950 tons. It was picked up, moved, and lowered into places on Saturday. And so obviously, like we were saying, like Monica was saying, it's not cleared for pedestrians yet. It wasn't going to be open until 2019. Uh, so there are still construction workers on it. But but they reopened traffic. That was the entire point of doing this at 2 a.m. on Saturday mm-hmm. to reopen the road. So there there were multiple cars that happened to be under it at the absolute worst time. Yeah, there's at least at least five. Uh, we heard Alex Stone saying there there could be about eight under there. Um, one confirmed fatality, but they believe several people have died. And Senator Bill Nelson, who's a senator there in Florida, he's actually on his way to the scene. He's uh, he's someone that released a lot of pertinent information before uh, law enforcement in, in relation to that, that school shooting uh, last month. And he said that there could be at least six people that died, that law enforcement told him there was at least six people that died. He's going down there to talk to them. And, and as you know, that press conference is starting any minute now, so sh- we should get more information. And then uh, something I just read is that because it was still under construction, it hadn't been inspected. There's not a requirement. The 
you put this thing in and it's not done yet. Yeah, and it could be it, they could have been working on reinforcement too, uh, putting the finishing touches on it because it was just installed on Saturday. But that doesn't mean everything was completed. Yeah, so uh, like I say, man, you talk about bad timing. That's that's some bad mm-hmm. timing uh, right there. So um, th- what Alex Dunn also was talking about is, yeah, if you remember the PT Cruiser Bandit or the seasoned Bandit, he, here's a guy, and I just <clears throat> I, I just want to be able to understand the scale of this. 1998 wins a $19 million lottery jackpot. When you win that jackpot, you take the lump sum, basically cut it in half and add a little bit more, add like five more percent. So he he winds up with a $12 million lump sum, but then that's what the feds take taxes out of. But wait, there's more. He has a divorce decree, and his ex... Takes or, or or I maybe I don't understand the the uh, the chronology here in California. That would have to be while he's married. So he gets divorced after he wins the lottery, and the ex, of course, takes half. I don't think you have you owe half if if it's if the, the ink is dry in the divorce. But anyway, so she takes her half. So they're each left with six million lump sum. Pay their federal taxes out of that. In 1998, I don't. I, I'm I'm thinking 30 percent. So he's got, you know, the neighborhood of four million. So with four million bucks, and and I'm not going to re-engineer this guy's life. But in 1998, you clear four million bucks in one fell swoop, and uh, you say fairly well to the ex, and she says, "Best of luck, stay in touch." You each go your own way. You know what I'm curious about? <clears throat> what does ex do with the, with the money? Maybe she bought a bank. I, I don't know. But the guy, you, you get a $4 million kick in the wallet 20 years ago. So he's 35. 35 years old, you get $4 bucks. And by the way, uh, James Allen Hayes, the 55-year-old, 55-year-old PT cruiser bandit, also known as James Killen and Caesar Killen. So don't know what that deal's about. But, um, but So anyway... You you talk about missed opportunities. How many of you, no matter what your age is, how many of you would love to go back to your 35th birthday and have a $4 million pile of cash and the taxes have been paid? And, I mean, granted, none of us have a crystal ball. You wouldn't sit there in 1998 and fly up to Federal Way and look up Jeff Bezos and say, and say I want in, <laughs> Bezos. I want, give me some of that action or something like that. Or you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to uh, Jack in the Bay Area and say, hey, quit your job. Let's start Twitter. Okay, It's all crystal ball. But but there's things you could do in 1998 in California. Just buy some property. Just, I don't know, sit on a million dollars worth of property. Uh, um, you, know what, you know what? If you are his ex-wife, if you're looking to win some money, listen up. You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money, money. to 200-200. That's M-O-N-E-Y, by the way. Uh, answer the phone even if it's from a number you don't recognize. In fact, especially if it's from a number you don't recognize. Ignore the numbers that you do recognize. Your next chance to win is next hour. You have a chance to win $1,000 every hour, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, you know, it's easy to read... 
stories of success. It'd be easy to read Jeff Bezos' bio because uh, so far he's just the richest man in the world. Uh, or uh, Robert, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Gates, um, Bill Gates story. Uh, or Paul Allen, his partner. Great life. Great life. You know, he walked away from Microsoft. The right, He was tired of He was sitting there saying, why am I doing this? Why don't I take all my money? And start buying sports teams and we're, and restoring World War II aircraft to flyable state. And so Paul Allen, I, I would be more, most like him. Go to Washington State University, maybe go to Harvard, probably not. But that's Paul Allen. He wazoo. Good, rich, world's richest cougar. But this guy, at the age of 35, even in the middle of a divorce, whatever, he gets $4 bucks. Well, you talk about lost opportunities. I want this guy to write a book. And and this is the thing. He has no motive to do it because he can't profit from his crime. But here's the thing. If he writes a book, you can't make the argument that he's profiting from his crime. Because the second to the last chapter would be, and then I spent the last dollar of my lottery winnings. And then the the final chapter would be like his plea agreement or whatever. But, wow, I got to tell you, $4 million, there's two ways to go. I think some people who are just a little messed up might be really, really, really messed up. And this is what we see over and over and over from lottery winners that I think, isn't it something like 25% of lottery winners 10 years after they win the lottery are broke or something like that? They overspend. They don't get the right advice. I have not. I mean, that's fine. You're back to square one, and at least maybe you have some junk you can sell. I, I don't. I have no idea. But I've never heard of a lottery winner ending up like this as a bank robber, and he goes to jail, eighty years. And oh, by the way, he's a he's a heroin addict. So he goes to Lompoc, and everyone else on Lime Jello Night while they're in line. They're all telling their stories about what it was that they didn't do and they were in there, uh, you know, innocently for. They get around to Hayes, to Jim Hayes, and he says, well, I won the lottery in 1998. And after I paid my uh, my ex, my future ex, I had $4 million cash. Really, what would you do? Well, I thought I would crank up that heroin habit. I mean, we had that new uh, Mexican brown coming in. I started sampling that. And then even with that, you can go be a heroin addict real estate dealer. But uh, no, that's that is operatic, I gotta say. And so that was, if you recall, the PT Cruiser Bandit. That's who that dude uh, turns out to be. Uh, it is strange science. We're definitely doing strange science. What are we going to go around the room and vote? Because we, we got we got a couple good stories. So definitely strange science. All right. Well, well here's a preview of strange science. Um, guess what, folks? Modern humans, you and I. We interbred with the mysterious ethnicity of human twice after leaving Africa 200,000 years ago. I want The reason I want to do that 23andMe now, I wasn't really interested very much because I have a fairly well-documented family history, um, is that I heard Leo Laporte on Saturday say that he did it and he's 4% Neanderthal. That's what he said. And I thought he was kidding. I looked it up. They can trace Neanderthal d- DNA in human beings. And and some people have more. Some people have have barely, um, you know, uh, detectable. But Leo Laporte said he was four percent Neanderthal. He didn't say he was kidding. 
And I mean, Leo is not exactly a laugh riot. So uh, that fascinated me because I had I had known I, I know that Homo sapiens wiped out Neanderthals probably in the, the greatest war that will never have a name. Homo sapiens eliminated Neanderthals, but apparently not before intermixing with them. So that's part of uh, strange science. Uh, that also, we will continue monitoring the story that Kevin DeLeon wants you all to sit on, and that is that he named a, uh, a, uh, a in a state position an illegal alien, and he doesn't want anyone to know where she is just in case ICE gets a wild hair up their ice hole, and they want to deport her to make an example of how the federal government, as it turns out, has supremacy over immigration matters. So Kevin DeLeon waving an illegal alien in the Fed's face. So everyone keep it quiet that she's an attorney here in Los Angeles, and I'll give you an update on that. Uh, if you're following me at Dark Secret Place on Twitter, uh, whatever you do, don't retweet that because it was in the Sacramento Bee today. So if you find that story in the Sac Bee, don't print it out and or don't retweet it to ICE or anything because they'll, they'll just find out where she is. Uh, back in just a minute, the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Hey, it's Brian Suits here, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. We join the press conference in Miami about the collapse bridge in progress. Also, one last statement. I've been in constant contact with Mayor Jimenez by phone. He's watching a live feed, so he's abreast of what's going on, and he's giving uh, directions as he sees fit. Thank you. Good afternoon. Paula Stopian, Division Chief, Miami-Dade Fire Rescue. At approximately 1.30 this afternoon, we received a call for a collapsed bridge. Our units responded to find eight trapped vehicles under the bridge. Uh, at this time, we've transported eight victims to hospitals. Uh, we have many, over 100 firefighters, technically trained TRT, technical rescue specialists, and our urban search and rescue team are working on the area on the bridge to try to uh, find viable victims. Thank you. Can you speak in Spanish, please? We'll, we'll, we'll do Spanish. We'll do it after. Yeah, okay. Good afternoon. I'm Major Chris Delapetro to Fort Ave Patrol here in Miami. Just before 2 p.m. this afternoon, the Fort Ave Patrol was notified of a bridge collapse at this location, Southwest 8th Street and 109th Avenue. As our units arrived, along with Miami-Dade Police and Fire, we observed very, uh, several vehicles that were involved as a result of the collapse. At that time, it shifted to a search and rescue effort. What we are asking the public to do is to please assist us by avoiding the area of Southwest 8th Street between Southwest 107th Avenue and Southwest 117th Avenue indefinitely as this process goes on. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Juan Perez. Director of the Miami-Dade Police Department, uh, first and foremost, all of our thoughts and prayers go to those of the, the victims of this tragedy that has occurred here today. Um, you've heard from our, our, our partners here, many other partners that are out here, law enforcement and firefighters that have come to, to the aid. Uh, we thank them for their efforts. You know, FIU is here. Their police department has been great. Uh, we are partners from Sweetwater and Doral and so many others that have come. If I miss you, I apologize. But we thank all the agencies that are out here supporting these efforts. Um, right now, we are uh, assisting in the efforts. Right now, the, the, uh, the main focus here by the fire department, obviously, is to rescue people. And that is what we're assisting with by, by controlling traffic, assisting FHP with traffic for now. 
and then we're on standby because as soon as those efforts are over, our Homicide Bureau will take the lead in investigating this tragedy that has occurred, and uh, we will take the lead from that point on. The state attorney is also on standby and waiting to come in and work this case with us. So for right now, that's all we have as far as this, this incident. Uh, and a very important message that I also have is that we have established with a partnership with, uh, through FIU a reunification center right here at FIU. If you want more information on that, you can contact 305-348-3481. That is the number that has been established for family members that are concerned that's, that maybe their, their uh, family members or friends are victimized by this incident. If you call that number, we will help you out. If you are one of those family members or if you're concerned, you know, contact that number. There is an area here to respond for the family members only. Uh, FIU police are on standby to escort everybody that comes in that wants to get to that family, uh, family reunification center where our victim advocates are, are, are at so that they can assist with whatever needs are, are required of those individuals. The last thing I would like to share is that what we, you heard from FHP about people not coming into the area, please stay out of the area and we will advise you when these roads will be open again but for an extended period of time. But I also need you, the media, to please cooperate with us. There should be no information that's coming out regarding this incident unless it's coming out from us right here in this location. We will periodically update you. We do not need information that is erroneous getting out to the public because some is already getting out. And what that does is it complicates things. We want to be able to be the ones that contact next of kin. We want to be able to notify family members. Let us do that. We don't want family members to find out that a loved one is involved in this tragic incident because somebody puts it out in the media. So please, I ask you to respect those family members, those that have been impacted. But from the bottom of my heart, please cooperate with us today more than ever so that others that are impacted are not impacted by watching it on the news. We definitely do not want that. We want it to be controlled. Let us do that. We have victim advocates that are waiting to go with us so that we can deliver the news, whether it's, it's, uh, it's, it's horrible news or whether it's a news that somebody has survived this incident. We would like to do that if you can cooperate with that. And, it, it, you know, I would truly, All right. truly appreciate it. We're now eating it. our own tail. Uh, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in. That was the live press conference. From uh, Miami, from Florida International University, the site of a pedestrian bridge collapse. And the numbers they gave us w- were one dead, eight injured. They're still working the scene. Um, and they said viable uh, wounded. So clearly they know that there are some others under the, the wreckage who are v- visibly not viable as as patients. Um, you know what I found curious out of that, Monica Ricks, is that this is a disaster site. It's an hour and a half, two hours old, I guess, right? Yeah. Did you hear the guy say we've alerted the state attorney general, or the, yeah, the state attorney mm-hmm. to come down? Mm-hmm. So they're treating it like some sort of industrial size incompetence occurred, possibly rising to criminal level. So, uh, so that happened. So there, there must be they, – they must know something immediately that this is not uh, – you know, this wasn't up for 20 years and it was a structural failure that no one predicted. This went up Saturday. And so there, there must be some information there at the scene uh, because they haven't recovered all the bodies and they're alerting the state attorney down here. 
Well, the state attorney usually travels with the governor when there's a big tragedy. We saw it with the massacre in Broward County. That's a crime. Um, Right. And so the governor's on his way. State Attorney General Pam Bondi, uh, she'll be going with him as well. We know the construction company has acknowledged that something went wrong. Yeah. And they, you know, they're devastated by it, as they said in a statement. But that part of this is probably days away. Yeah, but the uh, because but- right now they're just worried about getting those people or bodies out from under the well, bridge that's and, what clearing, I'm saying. and clearing the road. That's, that's what I'm saying. Right. No, they're not. They're what they're, they know right now that if that is something that was a result of human error, they need to preserve. That becomes a crime scene tonight, right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but they're they're <clears throat> they're going to work as quickly as possible to clear that road. May, well, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, that's a huge stretch of Miami. Sure. But if uh, Mulholland collapsed on 405 as a result of incompetence, there'd be yellow tape around it. And they'd, they'd try to open up as soon as they can. But it sounds to me like information was developed right there at the scene that has led them to, uh, to, to begin you know, the possibility of investigating this as if, if it's a human error, it's a human error. But if it's a you know if it's something that could be could have been avoided, uh, so that's what it looks like they're 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 treating this. So uh, so we'll see. Uh, meanwhile, in the state of California, um, we're we're, we're going to pay, pay out money for something far different uh, here. Uh, the Caltrans porn ring. Oh, you hadn't heard about that? Yeah, the attorney who represented a former Caltrans employee in a salacious workplace pornography lawsuit is uh, taking credit for the resignations of two high-ranking state executives, but also he's requesting millions in legal fees for his work over the past five years. The recent resignations of the director of CalDOT, Malcolm Doherty, and Chief Deputy Director uh, Kome Ajise, I guess, uh, coincided with milestones in the lawsuit. Uh, The Deputy Director, pardon me, the Chief Deputy Director was on the witness uh, list, but he never took the stand. So the the way it works is, last November, a jury in San Joaquin County awarded former Caltrans employee Rachel Elizondo six hundred five thousand dollars. She claimed she experienced retaliation after blowing the whistle on a group of almost twenty four Caltrans employees who were sharing on their own computers and a common drive stored pornography, which is always a wise move. Uh, whether you work for someone else in the private sector or you're actually a state employee, her attorney is now asking the judge to award him $4.6 million in fees for his time and the risk he took in suing Caltrans. Uh, the trial lasted more than 30 days. If he had uh, lost the case, then his client, Rachel Elizondo, would, would have been on the hook for tens of thousands of dollars in Caltrans legal expenses. So, uh, so hey, Caltrans, that's like the cost of uh, half a half a median. You have to pay out um, um, five million. the The employee Rachel Elizondo had sued Caltrans in two thousand nine for a uh, a different deal. She felt ostracized after reporting financial mismanagement at Caltrans. Which and let the irony of that just sink in. That an employee at Caltrans finds financial mismanagement, and rather than everybody in the coffee room backslapping each other and calling it Wednesday, 
apparently the mismanagement was so egregious that she was ostracized. So I would, but but wait, the, that's not the punchline. Punchline is the jury in that case sided with Caltrans that she was not ostracized enough to sue. Not not that Caltrans wasn't financially mismanaged, but that her ostracization, her alienation that she felt at the hands of fellow Caltrans employees wasn't enough to win the law, lawsuit. But the juries in San Joaquin County do, however, draw the line at porn rings. So uh, she won that one. Now her attorney wants $4.6 million from Caltrans. We'll be back in just a second. Uh, it is the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon. And uh, they will be back in one last time for Handle tomorrow morning. Me and Jane Wells will be here from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. tomorrow. And then Handle hopefully back Monday if everything works well. We'll be back right after this KFI AM640 more stimulating talk. KFI AM640 more stimulating talk. It is the Gary and Shannon show. Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon again tomorrow. Gary and Shannon back in for handle, hopefully. One last time, and then Handel will be back on Monday. Uh, I'll be in here with Jane Wells for Gary and Jen from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. There, there is a story that's just too good to avoid, and it's scientific, but it's strange. Strange science. It's alive. It's like weird science, but strange. All right, John, you're very funny. A 32-year-old billionaire, and we all know the type. Silicon Valley 32-year-old billionaire is going to pay $10,000 to be humanely killed so the contents of his brain can be digitally uploaded and preserved forever. For real. Uh, This is the the Daily Mail in Britain. Dailymail.co.uk, a real newspaper. They wrote Silicon. Silicon Valley with an E on the end. I'm sorry, you misspelled Beverly Hills. Uh, Now, this is Silicon Valley. Entrepreneur Sam Altman is one of 25 people on a waiting list at Nectome, a startup company that says they can upload the contents of a a person's brain and store it on a computer. And this scam only costs 10,000 bucks. And then uh, this way to the egress, and people are signing up for this. But in exchange for eternally preserving his mind, the 32-year-old will have to die in a process similar to physician-assisted suicide, which is only legal in five states. By the way, and it's not legal to fill up a frickin' thumb drive with your think piece. It's only if you're certified medically to be terminally ill. But anywho, somewhat ironically, the company Altman founded Y Combinator funds startups like Nectome. It's almost as if he's being scammed. Isn't That's the weirdest thing. The process he signed up for involves embalming the brain so it can later be simulated onto a computer. According to the MIT Technology Review, the customer, comma, alive, comma, is hooked up to a machine and then injected with Nectom's embalming chemicals. The company said the method is, in their words, quote, 100% fatal, close quote. <clears throat> At least they haven't had any complaints yet. How do they know that? On humans, by the way. And how do they know that they can replicate your brain um, forever in a computer. And how do you know the computer is not going to be uh, absorbed by Skynet? But anyway, you know what? Good for him. I hope they uh, do it as soon as he can possibly uh, work it out at only 10000 bucks a pop. I think he could have got more out of him because, uh, I mean, the company could get more out of him because that's you're, you are literally offering eternal mental life to a billionaire for only 10000 bucks. 
I think you're lowballing yourself. You could get 250 out of the guy. So there you go. There's your strange science. Well, I, again, uh, please help Kevin Daly on help his newly appointed uh, state education official for, for SOAP, the state opportunity, pardon me, the student opportunity and access program uh, grant advisory committee. Kevin DeLeon yesterday faxed out a press release and electronically transferred a press release to media outlets throughout California. So everyone be quiet because he has appointed the first illegal alien to a statewide post. And you'd think, well, anyone who doesn't want ICE to get pissed off and come roll her up would never put her name in the news release. Oh, no, no, it's okay. 33-year-old Lisbeth Mateo, M-A-T-E-O, Lisbeth, L-I-Z-B-E-T-H, Mateo. I tweeted out her Facebook page. She's right here in L.A. She's an attorney and immigration rights activist. She will serve on the California SOAP, the Student Opportunity and Access Program Grant Advisory Committee. Kevin DeLeon can't help himself, of course, when there's a microphone. And he said, quote, while Donald Trump fixates on walls, California will continue to concentrate on opportunities. Ms. Mateo is a courageous, determined, and intelligent young woman who, at great personal risk, has dedicated herself to fight for those seeking their rightful place in this country. Close quote. Their rightful place in this country. Again, here's Kevin DeLeon deluded into thinking that trespassers have a rightful place in the house they break into. <clears throat> no, if you come into this country illegally, you have no rightful place unless that's the immigration court. Hey, that's how that works. But then again, remember, consider the source, Kevin DeLeon has bragged about the fact that he has relatives who have uh, stolen IDs. So there, there's that. But, but don't worry. It's Jeff Sessions who's vindictive. But if he's wondering who's going to win this fight, Kevin DeLeon's public press release that the Sacramento Bee printed or ICE, then uh, just go no further than my Twitter feed, at Dark Secret Place, and retweet uh, the warning that I gave to everybody, which is do whatever you do, do not give at ICE under understroke gov that information. So uh, help help us do your your citizens due diligence and help Kevin DeLeon protect Lisbeth Mateo, illegal alien lawyer, now at a, in a statewide position. So if if Kevin's going to rub my nose in it, I'm going to go ahead and rub his nose in it. So there's some nose rubbing going on. One of us. Uh, one of us is legally correct, and we'll we'll just see who that's going to be. We'll uh, be back tomorrow again. Bill Handel is going to be back here Monday, and uh, our thoughts and prayers. And that's that that works lately. Uh, so uh, so he'll uh, he'll be there. Gary and Shannon in for Bill tomorrow. Uh, me and Jane Wells. Also, baby animal bracket that's up there. KFI AM six forty dot com. Look for the Gary and Shannon uh, show page. Baby animal bracket again. USC is eligible for the baby animal bracket, and now, uh, no, Gonzaga won, damn it. All right. So anyway, that, uh, oh, Arizona State. So, yeah, West Coast basketball is getting shelled. Uh, so tomorrow, again, uh, Gary and Shannon in for Bill Handel. Me and Jane Wells from CNBC, uh, our, our uh, frequent host here on, uh, on KFI, will be here with me. Brian Suits back tomorrow at 10 a.m. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to Gary and Shannon? And then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness.